Welcome to Morning Commute. I'm Brad Doles. And I am Sam Albert. You know, Brad and I have been friends for many years. Uh, that's true. Probably, I don't know, five or more. And we've built this friendship on making conversations that we talk about basically anything we can think about. It's like no topic is off the table. And so we wanted to open that up and share that kind of talk with other people. Yeah. So we devised this podcast. It's a 20 to 30 minute podcast in which we just kind of freeform talk about the things that we talk about all the time. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the morning commute. Hi, Sam. Hello. How are you? We're back. We are back for another installment of the morning commute. Um, we have been talking this over and we're a little bit backlogged on voicemails. So we're going to try and hit as many voicemails this week as we can. But I did want to at least say, how has your week been? I will give you the short version, which is better. Thanks in large part to the advice you gave me about my job, um, which was one of our previous episodes where I was complaining about the self-loathing that came along with my job. And your advice was essentially get over it, but in a much more nuanced way. Mm -hmm. And so I've been going into work each day with that attitude and it's a lot more bearable. So thank you. How was your week? I'm glad that um, that I had a positive effect for once. Yeah, because because you made me think, who are you, Sam? Like, what kind of woman do you want to be? This whiny, weepy woman is not who you want to be. Start behaving like the woman you you would like to be. That's helpful. So, how are you? Um, I don't know how I am. I'm scared. Mm -hmm. I didn't get paid this week. I don't know why I didn't get paid this week. I guess not all the audience knows this, so I'll catch them up. Wednesday, I didn't get my unemployment. So I looked online and it said, you didn't get your unemployment and we'll be sending out a letter to tell you why. And I never got a letter. And it's fine. This is when we're recording this. So I don't know if that means I don't get paid next week. I don't know if that means a letter is ever coming. I don't know what it means. It scares me. I don't like hiccups in this. Oh, and fainting cost me, it looks like, about $1,000. So, what? yeah, uh, even with insurance. So that's... Ugh. Um, so I'm a little bit stressed, a little bit stressed. I can understand why. And um, we, we had mentioned it. I mean, spoiler alert, I knew a little bit more about this before you're sharing it with others. And, um, we both find, found it so aggravating that they would have an online message saying there's a problem, but we're going to send you the explanation of the problem on a piece of paper through the mail. Yeah. Yeah. Like in 2020, we can't <laughs> just have the information sitting on a screen that I can pull up and figure out. And maybe in a world where it's impossible to reach unemployment, not even have to deal with a human being, that's right. that I care about dealing with a human being, but having the option for at least a first strike effort of being, here's, here's the problem and here are the possible causes and here are the ways that you can solve it. And this is the way that you can actually do something instead of in the world where we are, which is, yeah, if you have a problem, call us. Nobody will ever answer, ever. ever. But, you know, give it a shot. Insanity. So, and you, and you have to figure that the, the everything, our whole country is running slower. So, I mean, mail is not a fast thing anyway, but it's probably even slower now. So, 
I'm sorry that you're in this place of kind of wild uncertainty. Yeah, I'm sorry of that too. Um, but the positive thing is, and this might sound a little, what am I trying to say? A little irresponsible of me, but I bought a 3D printer. Uh, I've wanted a 3D printer for a while and I got that check. What do you call it? The stimulus check. Yeah. Uh, I'll use $200 of that, uh, $230, I guess, and buy a 3D printer. And then the next day, I just get paid. So, uh, oh. so that's a bummer. But you're doing what the stimulus check told you to do, which is funneling it back into the consumer economy. So in a way, it was a very patriotic purchase. Yeah, that's why I did it. I, the, the remaining uh, $1,000, I'm just going to buy a stack of flags. <laughs> and wave them in there. But as we already said, forego uh, getting to know you episodes this week and in favor of catching up on some of our voicemails because that's what we said we wanted. And I, I think it is what we want to follow up because I like hearing other people's opinions. So are you ready for the first one? Yeah, I'm very excited. I feel like Oprah right now. Yeah. I know how much you love her, by the way. I am as, yeah, I wouldn't, don't insult yourself like that. <laughs> I am as in the dark here as you are with these because I haven't really listened to them. So okay. are you ready for the first one? I am, yes. All right, here we go. I actually have two alcoholics in my family. Um, one of them was my grandmother's brother. I was raised by my grandmother. He, I remember whenever he would come to visit, grandma would hide all of the alcohol in the house. And somehow when she was at work, I was at school, he would find it. He would find it and he would drink it. And it used to piss my grandma off so much. Uh, the other one was actually uh, my mother's neighbor for the longest time was an alcoholic. And they did a similar situation like what you were talking about with your friend, Brad, where they took over his finances and took over control of his his life, basically, to try and get him help. And uh, I want to say it ended up with them kind of working out to some extent. So that was that one. Do you have any initial thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's so funny to me. I mean, first of all, thank you very much for sharing that. Um, it reminded me of a job I had in Chicago. And I had a boss. It was a traveling comedy troupe. We went from college to college doing performances. And one time we got this two-week gig in Louisiana during Mardi Gras. We were performing at a whole bunch of colleges in and around New Orleans. And the director of the comedy troupe came with us and he was a wildly out of control alcoholic when he was drunk. Mm -hmm. But yet somehow, I mean, he would get so drunk, we would go out and he would get so drunk that he would literally pass out in the car on the way home in the middle of speaking. He would be like, that was really, pass out. We'd park, he'd wake up and go, what bar are we going to next? I mean, just like couldn't walk straight. I almost thought he was going to have to get his stomach pumped drunk. But yet the next morning, we would have to get up to drive to the next college and be ready at 7.30. And he'd be downstairs in the lobby of the hotel in an ironed shirt with a clipboard. Yeah. What do they call that? A functional drunk? Yeah. And so my question is, functional, if it doesn't really interfere, do we have any business asking people to stop? 
I mean, it must be, it could, it could have been trashing his lick, his uh, liver, I'm sure. Was, I would say. I don't think there's any getting around that. But in terms of just, he was able to do his job very well. It didn't, the only time he, it interfered was when you were trying to have a conversation with him when he was drunk, but he was never drunk at work. Where's the line, do you think, Brad? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really interesting question, honestly. Kind of gets back to, I don't remember, it's been long enough now since we've done those that I don't know which one. I don't remember if the drunk out episode was the same as the doing drugs episode. I don't know how those all mingle in, but it, it kind of gets back to that question is if it if if it isn't affecting anyone, should anybody else really care at all? Right. You you would assume as much as it was jammed into us in school, or at least I assume most people get a similar education to me, that you know, alcohol is bad and alcohol will hurt you, and mm -hmm. these are the bad effects of alcohol, that while you're doing that, it's not like one of the questions is, should we educate them to the fact that they're poisoning themselves? Because mm -hmm. I think you can say most of the time, they already know that, right? Oh gosh, yes. So if they're paying their rent, and they're not like waiting down the system, uh, they're not you know, you're not like, they're not homeless. So you don't have to just worry about how are they going to be fed and how are they going to be housed and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. If the only thing that you really have to be concerned about is how much they're harming their loved ones and how much they're harming themselves. And by harming, I don't even mean like, if we're going to put in functional, like not beating your wife, right? Mm -hmm. By harming your loved ones, I mean, they get to watch you deteriorate because you are poisoning yourself when you're drinking to that extreme. Yes. God, it feels like in my head that the my default answer is we shouldn't care. Okay. Like I, I think I think the thing is, and maybe other people would look down at you for doing this, but I think as a friend of theirs and as a relative of theirs, you have to know that you have the right to throw your hands up and walk away, right? Mm -hmm. That's that is that is what's being done right there is all right since you refuse to take care of yourself and i've put some effort into it maybe not even that i don't know i'm, I'm just kind of talking off the top of my head so i'd like to hear what you have to say but since since you clearly have all of the information how much forcing you into this can i like when I was friends with my friend, a nominous mm -hmm. person A, and I took him in and I said, you, you can't drink while you're here and I'm in charge of your finances. So I know that you're not drinking because we know what an alcoholic you are. And we're talking in realistic terms like that because nobody would say that he wasn't an alcoholic. Like he was, he was the level of your friend alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Then I get to say from my perspective, I, I'm taking control of all of this and I'm forcing you to be clean because I am providing a service for you. The cost of you staying with me is you have to be sober. I, I don't right. have to worry about that. But if they just want to be a drunk and still be functional, then maybe our position is to just let them do it. I've been talking maybe for five minutes now. What do you, what do you think? Well, 
it reminds me of yet another question. Um, and this is probably, probably we've talked about giving it its own episode, but I have a cousin and I'll just be, give a short kind of overview, but she, her parents are very, very wealthy and they basically pay for her life. So they pay her rent, they give her spending money, they bought her a car. She doesn't have to work. Um, and she uses that money to get super drunk most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, I remember talking to her sister-in-law who's like, yeah, I've never seen, let's just call my cousin Lily. I've never seen Lily drink where she hasn't been intoxicated to the point of vomiting. Mm -hmm. So it's not like she would go out every night and have a glass or two of wine. She would get flipped every time. And her parents had to have known this was happening and in a way were paying for it. Right. And I have two questions about that, which is, okay, well, she doesn't have to work, right? She doesn't have responsibility because her parents are paying for her life. Does it matter if she wants to be drunk all the time? I know when I worked at this upscale retirement home, there was a neighbor. I have a friend who lives in a retirement community, a wealthy retirement community, and she often speaks of her neighbor who starts drinking at like 2.30 or 3 every day and gets drunk consistently every day and said to my friend at the retirement community, well, what does it matter? I'm old, I'm rich, I'm retired. If I want to walk through life intoxicated, I'm allowed to do it. I, I, I can't argue with that, but then I look at my cousin. Now she's young, but often intoxicated. Mm -hmm. And someone else is paying for her lifestyle. Is that okay from a moral standpoint? I don't know. I think when I hear all of this, mm -hmm. it makes me wonder how much of it is just this human instinct to say, but that's not fair. I had that exact same the, the instinct to be, no, they shouldn't be able to do that because I'm not allowed to do that. Right. And shouldn't, shouldn't we all be able to do exactly the same things? And the short answer is yes. And the realistic answer is no, because we don't all get cool cars and we don't all get jet, private jets to fly on and we don't all get disposable income. And somehow it feels better for us to be able to say some people get that but not the same to be able to go well how come they get to be drunk all day yep why do i have to work an eight hour day and she can just play around and then get intoxicated every night yeah and it also isn't fair that your friend from from your acting days was able to do that and be a functional alcoholic and my friend who i worked with did it right. and was very much not a functional alcoholic and it had nothing to do with anything other than genetics. Mm -hmm. like that is just, that is, it was just something in his biology that wasn't like, wasn't going to allow him to do that. But that's just, I mean, part of the answer maybe is life's not fair. Sorry. Yeah. And, and I, I go back and forth and tell me if you think this sounds odd, I guess, but I sort of feel, and I guess it does get layered when we talk about having relationships and what is our obligation to other people, because that gentleman who is a functional alcoholic may be able to exist in a relationship and and participate in it. I'm talking about on an emotional level, you know, with a, a spouse or a girlfriend um, or a boyfriend. I mean, he was straight, so I'm just going to use female partners. But mm -hmm. so he had a girlfriend. I think he's married now. He's sober now too, by the way. But um, to what extent is he allowed to do whatever the heck he wants with his body? If he wants to get cirrhosis of the liver, if he wants to kill his pancreas, I mean, isn't he allowed to do that? And to what extent is it, does he owe sobriety to the person he's in a relationship with? 
That's a bigger question. All of these other ones, I kind of just assume single guy that that doesn't have like other people to worry about, right? Mm-hmm. Once you become married to somebody, even if they knew you as a drunk, I would say, you have a responsibility. You, you, you're part of a team at that point, right? Mm-hmm. All right, now we're on vessel us and we have to steer this vessel through life. And, <laughs> and part of that commitment is to like kind of do it the best you can. Mm-hmm. And at some point in time, maybe you're both going through it and you're both drunk and that's just, you're both going to be functional drunks and not worry about it. Mm-hmm. And at, at another point where somebody says, no, we really need to clean up our act. I think the default has to be, yeah, you both have to clean up your act. What, what do you think? I agree. And it's interesting. So I had another friend and this is not alcoholism, but um, anorexia and bulimia, which I would put in a similar context to an addiction in a sense. And she and her boyfriend both had eating disorders. She was more anorexic and he was more bulimic. And they were sort of the super couple. We didn't really all know the dirty stuff that was going on behind the scenes, you know, the messy stuff of the eating disorders to to the extent that they were actually happening. We didn't find out until those of us who knew and loved them both years later. But when she decided to recover, she said, she went to him and said, I'm going to get better. Would you like to get better with me? And he said, no. Yeah. And so she ended the relationship. She's like, well, if you're not even going to try to get better, I can't be with you. Yeah. I know people who were, who are older and, you know, by older, I mean our age. Should oh, that hurts. And and I've heard them say, I don't feel like quitting smoking. I'm just going to keep on smoking. I know it's bad for me. I'm just going to keep on smoking. Well, you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's okay. One last thing. And then I know we do need to stop soon. But and this is a very tangential thing. But when my before my dad died, he was sick for a long time. And he I went to stay with uh, he and my stepmom for a bit while he was allegedly trying to get better. And every time a nurse or a physical therapist came to the house, she would always say, you're not trying to get better. You're not working at recovery. You're just kind of giving up and letting yourself get sicker and sicker. And you have power here to get better. And my stepmom just kind of checked out of it. You know what I mean? And I said to her, I remember saying to her, you know, they're saying that he's not doing what he needs to do to live a healthy life. And she said, I'm not going to fight for it if he's not going to fight for it. It's not my job to be his cheerleader in this if he's not going to even try. So it's interesting what our responsibility is to other people both ways, you know? Yeah, and this, again, like one of the... (laughs) One of the downfalls of us having this conversation in podcast form instead of wander around the universe form, which is the the prior way we used to have conversations, Mm -hmm. is trying to wrap it up in 20 minutes or so. Right. Uh, So this is where I say I would really like to hear other people's takes on this because Mm -hmm. I hear the argument, well, you didn't have to take care of someone like that. No, I did. And this is what I know from that. Yeah, I don't know where that where that argument goes, but I feel like it goes somewhere. Like there's some piece of insight that neither one of us are, are 
are thinking of because mm -hmm. we've only had limited limited having to deal with it. Both of us, it sounds like, had to deal with someone with an alcoholic problem or someone with a drug problem. But at the but end not of the day, it's not like we were married to someone like that. It's not like our parent was someone like that or, you know. I was just going to say, we haven't experienced what the caller was talking about, which is his grandma having to hide the liquor so his grandpa wouldn't find it. Right. Yeah, we, we've never been in that position. Yeah, so I'd be curious to, I mean, especially with an episode like this, what, what, what didn't we think of? What, why mm -hmm. are we wrong? Because right. it feels like there's a, there's a good chance that at least to some degree we're wrong, and I'm just not sure how that is. Oh, sorry. I would love to know um, people's thoughts on what our responsibility is to ourselves and to others when it comes to things like addiction. Yeah. So if you have any insight on that, go to morningcommute at sambrad.com forward slash anchor.fm, or you can go to the, the anchor.fm application and leave us a voicemail there, or... You can always email us at morningcommutesambrad at gmail.com. Yeah, and I also wanted to say to everybody, because I know that... I think it's just something that that's worth saying, I guess, is we have this podcast now can be found on basically, I think, all of the distributed platforms. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's basically, I think, just about wherever you can get a podcast. So mm -hmm. if you need to subscribe to it, you can you can go just about anywhere and subscribe to it now. Please do. Our right. self-esteem requires it. It's the only reason we do it. Uh, <laughs> Life validation is why I, I put out. Don't let us down. Um, so far, well, I, we've made zero money on this podcast because we don't put any commercials in it. But my other podcast, I've made 24 cents. Hey, that's a gumball right there. That's not bad. So, so there you go, I guess. You can purchase one fourth of something at the dollar store. That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I can order. I, I'll go to the dollar store, open up a Kit Kat package, snap one off and put it on the register and say, here you go. Um, very much, Sam. Thank you, Brad. And thanks everyone for listening. Bye-bye.